Good morning and welcome back everyone to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello. Welcome back everybody. Good. Good morning. Good morning. Jumping back in. Uh, this Hello. is a pre-recorded episode, so just FYI. This is something we've already kind of cooked up a little bit earlier, but we're uh, delivering it on our schedule. we got people traveling and moving around. So let's jump in today. We've got some uh, openers today. We have a, a good article. Uh, let's talk about uh, what we found here, kind of uh, across the internet here. So the article, I believe this is from um, Teo Lechev. Is that how you say his name? Yep, Teo from Prologica. And um, a longtime MVP. I don't think re and recently not an MVP, but historically, right? Very yeah, a long 15, time. 15 year, 2019, I think was his last. So he's a MVP of MVPs. <laughs> what, I mean, what it takes it? a long time to be... An MVP for 15, 15 years. 15 years is a lot of dedication. Long yes. time. To, yep. Um, in lieu of uh, talking about MVPs, uh, I'm happy to happy to announce that we are uh, also, I think I'm also an MVP for this year. I think, Seth, you made it again uh, for yet another year. Yep. And then, yep. Tommy, you as well. Not even halfway to tail yet. We are seven, seven years. Yeah, not, even halfway. <laughs> not even halfway yet. Excellent. So jumping into the article then, uh, we'll put the, the article uh, description here in the description of the video. Uh, it, it, the title of the article is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly of Fabric Data Integration. Kind of talking about the integration pieces of fabric. And what I would say, again, just high level before I get really into the article here, which there are some, I think there's some good talking points around this article. Um, I definitely think that the fabric space has opened up a lot more options to business users on how to engineer data, which may be a good thing, and it could be a bad thing depending on how you look at the world. So that's, that's kind of like my initial thought. Any other reactions, uh, gentlemen? It does, uh, I, I like the idea of this middle portion of the notebook where he starts, there's an outline here, an Excel table, right? So being in such a, an MVP for so long, knowing this space so well, I really did like the table around, the table around uh, a data pipeline, data flow gen two, Notebooks. These are those. These are those three kind of development pipelines you potentially could use inside Fabric to build data engineer and build engineering pipelines of information. Which I, I really like. Um, kind of the breakdown here. And would you guys agree with that table with the different pieces in there? I think Matteo did it the more appropriate way. I think that was our argument when we saw that um, decision guide. We're like, I don't think this makes. Uh, too much sense in in the real world um but honestly i think he put it in the really the right order of there's really three roles these people have been there so yeah so it kind of aligns on the primary user so you have the data pipeline the data flow gen 2 and then the notebook so data pipelines aligned to bi developers but data flow gen 2s aligned to the business analyst and then notebooks aligned to data scientists and developers. Would you agree kind of with, with that part, Seth? Do you think those kind of are the, the right deline delineations for you? Yeah, I didn't spend a ton of time on, on the table itself because we've we've talked about that ad nauseum, but I think mm -hmm. it, it pretty much aligned with a lot of the things we were saying. I I, th I feel like, in my opinion here, is I feel like the the Spark notebook, I wouldn't, I wouldn't push as hard as the data scientist. I, I do think people will like the experience of working with notebooks in general. Now, whether you know Python or not, that's a different story. Um, 
but I think the experience of working with those books is actually quite, um, I would probably put that more and make a BI developer might also like to lose that, that experience as well. Let's move on to a couple of the other sections of the article. He talks about the three kind of areas, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, and the good section kind of refers to uh, data flows are more scalable. Um, you know, it's, you're not limited to all these different things you need to spin up in Azure. I will say, with Tommy and I kind of going through a series around just kind of noodling in Fabric, it has made things a lot less friction to go create things, add files, mm -hmm. synchronize them with your PC. Like, from that perspective, I think, I think they've done a good job. And I feel like that's, well, it still has a little bit of rough around the edges, which, again, it's in preview. I, I get that. I really like how much less friction there is to create the stuff you need to create. Well, and I, that's you got all the space, thing. Tommy. Like, go the with it. I, <laughs> I know. I, I, this is like because it just like all the stuff I've been doing in Fabric, where um, I, I really do what hit home to me. What, what Matteo said was, I really I abhor the idea of putting all of your BI artifacts into uh, Fabric because if if nothing else, that might not always be the best you know use case for everything that you're doing. So. Yeah. I think until there's a little more, you know, because right now it's kind of acting if it was just like, think about Azure and this and uh, what, what we have in storage, right? Uh, sorry, it seems to be. Well, it's a, that makes sense, Tommy. Um, okay, then moving on to the bad and the ugly pieces of this one. So um, it it talks a little bit more around, and again, it's, it's kind of alluding to the data engineer and the data integrator and this kind of this mix of this new role and how this kind of transforms into um, potentially a, a disadvantage. There are some features that were in Synapse that are no longer there. There are some things that were in Azure Data Factory that are no longer there that you don't see in Fabric. I think everything is trying to figure their way out to, to understand, you know, where is the right place for this? And it feels like we're throwing a lot of data engineering tools at people. Um, and I don't know, I get it from a, from a, you know, I, I missed the, the final comment there. I missed the T-SQL merge in Fabric Warehouse. Like there's some state, there's some things that have been taken away, sure. which I understand. I think I get it. Um, hopefully those things get rounded out in the future and those features get added back in. Um, but I would almost, I would almost argue, I think Microsoft's really trying to centralize on a team. And yeah, I, I could see this as being perceived as a bad scenario here, but I perceive the data engineer and the data integrator, bringing them into Power BI makes a lot of sense. And I really do, I really do like that experience. So yeah, you maybe call it a bad, a bad thing where you're trying to throw too many things at Power BI. I maybe disagree here a little bit and would say, yeah, I understand there's some challenges there, but I think this is the right move long-term. I think, I think it's right the long, in, in the long-term. And, and that's what we have to wave the pros and cons to right as we're as we're discussing this right out of the gates is mm -hmm. there's a big hype cycle on it right yes problem that i think he does bring in is an interesting one because it it brings up he brings up some of the lost implementations from synapse right so if synapse yes. is the way to go and you like build all your pipelines and synapse and like mm -hmm. that's what we're doing and then all of a sudden fabric shows up and you don't have the capabilities to support the same things you just pushed in the synapse implementation agree that's a miss right? i agree so yes i think i think the base level to push into these really major new things has 
kind of consistently been a miss on Microsoft's part. They'll, they'll eventually get in there, right? Yes. But that's that's in conflict with the hype where people are trying to like get in on the preview and implement new new things and lock in all of a sudden mm-hmm. now not just reporting but ETL. Um, and this is where I think he makes the second point, which may be a podcast in and of itself, because I hadn't thought about it till now, but like typically engineering or companies have always liked to uh, separate their ELT, ETL and data Mm -hmm. from specific systems, right? Like they love playing in this agnostic system where it's Mm -hmm. like from specific reporting systems. What if that reporting tool doesn't work for me anymore? Mm -hmm. What if this new thing comes out? I want to plug my data into that. And I think what he's poking at here, there are definitely some implementations within Fabric across the whole data stream that if you start locking into it what if you want to do something else can you mm, that's a right? good point and, yes. and that i think i think begs more of a conversation but um you know that is that is a very long-standing tried and true kind of like i want to i want my data and the way it's shaped to be reusable anywhere i want it and does Fabric actually challenge that? Is Microsoft trying to say, mm, yeah, no, you, you're in this ecosystem to benefit from everything? You know, and, and is that a, is that a, hey, we're saying that because Fabric is just out and in preview? Or is it, that's wow. actually the long-term strat? That's a really good thought. I mean, it, there's a lot of communication in this space around not having vendor lock-in with a particular technology. And that's kind of speaking to that point a little bit there. Right. Which I'll have to think more about that. Like, I mean, yeah, I think I, I that's think, why I said, a yeah, that's a good thinker right there. Yeah. yeah. Any of any final thoughts, thoughts, Tommy? Well, and yeah, I think I was having some internet issues. So hopefully, it's been resolved. But I, I think the other big thing in this again, this is not saying fabric, really. Okay, so awesome. We can hear you. It's just um, delayed a little bit. Well, okay. Anyways, the the idea of with one lake and or direct lake that ability to connect to power bi which is great in is what where microsoft moving but i think the big thing is we have to remember that's only going to work with power bi uh right now if i want to connect to a data source in in uh you know or any other of my ingestion systems is sql which other things connect to power apps connects to it my other applications apis but with fabric and direct lake that's really a Fabric to straight to Power BI. So it's really limiting the ability for what the database can do. Agree. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to our main topic for today. So so this kind of dovetails kind of into what we're going to talk about next, which is another article uh, that really talks about uh, really going deeper on. Uh, so a gentleman on LinkedIn, Tristan Burns, um, is... I'm trying to kind of unpack, you know, what does a perfect data analyst look like? What does that individual uh, characteristics or skill set need to be um, have? What does that person need to have from skills to understand how can they be effective in their role? Or what does that what does that mean? And I, I feel like recently, especially with the introduction of Fabric here, I feel like the term business analyst or data analyst and data engineer, they've been these two topics around skills that people have but the venn diagram i feel like because the tooling of the technology is bringing so many technology pieces together 
I'm not trying to discount the skills for each of these roles, but I think I feel like a lot more of the roles of those two elements are interlacing. It's becoming more integrated. There's more transferable skills between the data analyst and potentially what we're doing in the data engineering space as well. And so uh, I'll also share this link in the description as well. So let's uh, let's talk about these comments here from from Tristan. Any kind of initial reaction to what 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 this article is kind of speaking to or talking to? Initial reaction. I think he, I I think it's I, I overall I'm I'm gonna agree with a lot of it. Yeah. I think there are, I think there's some nuance in here mm -hmm. um, that that'll come out as we discuss things. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. So kind of the main the main three points or, or the three kind of initial skills that they kind of points out here at the beginning is right main three skills as a data analyst are you need to have excellent communication skills i think i would totally agree with that you need to have some business and strategy comprehension interesting we might have to unpack that a little bit more i'm not sure if i understand what strategy comprehension means um but definitely definitely business comprehension for sure what what does the business do to get their work done and then technical skills right more specifically for that single role and then kind of really points on of these three things communication is incredibly important be able to listen to what someone says interpret what they're saying and then be able to return re like return a response that says okay i heard i heard you say this does this mean this is what you need this is how you're you're asking about that information because I, I think a lot of times especially when i'm working with clients they're asking me for things in reports and i'm like mm, do you really need that or are we talking about this like in kind of helping them kind of refine their idea like they have a good portion of the idea ready to go but potentially there's some additional refinement and there are some business units that come in and like we need we know exactly what we need here's what we want to calculate here's how we do the calculations let's go and and it's a totally different story but there there is a skill i believe with communicating those requirements through the data to understand how to calculate it yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said earlier, like, is there crossover between a lot of data engineering, data analysis? Sure. But like where you spend your time is different. Like a data analyst is going to be trying to make sense of data more often throughout a work stream or solve a problem that's found in data versus a data engineer, which is typically or data, even BI developer, right? Like mm -hmm. you're, you're creating the plumbing you're making sure data flows from point A to point B, you're modeling it, you're reshaping it, you're like based on requirement. There's a lot of those, those tasks and things, you're building the report page. Um, those are the type of tasks that you're primarily interested in, in getting something up and running. And then your final, you, like you have checks throughout where you're doing some data validation. A data analyst, from my perspective, would be doing a lot more data work or even go and coincide with that to verify that the engineer is building the right things along the way. Mm, I like that a lot, too, because the engineer is going to build stuff and the analyst has to say, it's uh, not quite what I wanted or right. and it's know, not really QA testing. It's just no. validating that things yes. are going along, you know, working the way we'd expect them. Yep. But at the same time, like triaging. Um, they should have a better understanding of the business in general, how data comes in, where it gets stored, um, et cetera, so that they can have that more cohesive conversation. Um, and if if your BI developers aren't adept at having that front-facing business conversation, like that's where your data analyst, if you have an individual role for that, could step in and, and be the conduit between the business and the engineering teams. Mm, I like that. 
but I think ultimately, like typically the way I've looked at We've, analysts yeah. in general, though, has been they they typically would have less technical skills than a BI developer or a data engineer. Tommy, your thoughts? Any other, any other ideas you would add here? Yeah. We've talked about this so much already. And while obviously the technical skills are important, um, honestly, a lot of that can be learned in from from documentation, right? There's the blog, there's an article, I can do that myself. Sure. But that that communication side, or, and just the, the business comprehension is such an element of how do I know, like, where, where's the skills matrix for that, right? Of how do I know if I'm if I'm an expert at this or not? And it's based on also the people that we meet and kind of understand their personalities. But yeah, you could have all the skill in the world and build reports all day long for yourself. But honestly, it's it's almost like the uh, what what's the term the something before the horse. If you carp, can't carp before the horse communicate or first the car before the her, horse, if you can't listen and really in, in terms like interpret someone's needs um interpret like really their pain points because most of the time they don't really mm -hmm. want a report they're not i want a power bi report they're again trying to find an answer to a problem um and power bi is just the greatest way to do that and i think a lot of times we go in as okay what report do you want they would love if they could get a text message on what their decision should be whatever that decision would be um, but a lot of times they don't know what that is. So really trying to listen, and we've talked about listening and the empathy side here, but it's, yeah, you could have all the technical skills in the world, but if you don't have that ability to translate and then com communicate back on, okay, I think I hear you. I think, is this the pain point? Um, it's really hard to, you know, I think, see where your growth would be. Yeah, I think that's interesting too. I, I, but also, again, I think I think the right emphasis on this article, or at least this post here, is really focusing on the communication side of things. And I would definitely agree with with that that portion there. And one of the things that he points out here in the communication portion is when interviewing for a data role, the first thing a hiring manager is going to notice is your ability to communicate effectively. And I would also argue there probably should be some questions on your interview panel around if you're doing the technical side of the interview, you should have them explain to you a couple concepts around Power BI. Like explain to me how the, the calculate statement is working. Explain to me what filter context transition would look like. Or, you know, I think some of those explaining questions really help you understand, can this user articulate to me an answer about something that's extremely technical? Because I think a lot of times that's what we're doing, right? We're taking something very technical and trying to boil it down figure out a core of how it works and then utilize that knowledge to build insights or a report or an outcome that people can look at and say, Oh yeah, here's my decision. This is what I need to take action on. Yeah. I think, I think what's most interesting about where Tristan plugs today is, and I'm not saying that he's doing this, but a little bit and we do it as well. And I think trap, uh, there's a trap here that experts or veterans of data um, kind of fall into. And that's describing areas or areas that other people need to learn that we are vastly familiar with mm. and describing it to novices as something that they, like a thing they need to learn. 
Um, because his point here is like, it's not all about technical skills for a data analyst. In fact, like yes. it's one third of what you need to know. Okay. But, but, but at the same time, it's like kind of saying, learn this insert vast experience here. Right. And mm -hmm. at the bottom, um, the, the, the key points of like, go read this, you know, several of them are communication, which is presentation skills, which we can talk about a little bit because we've talked about it a lot, but how do you share your ideas? But what struck me as interesting in, in this is not only like that trap, I think we we sometimes fall into as well. When we're talking about people who are like, I want to be a really good data analyst, how do I go do that? And an example I'll give you is um, go, go out to the interwebs and type in, how do I learn SQL versus how do I learn business comprehension or what is business comprehension? Do you know how many results you get for business comprehension? When I say that term, when I read it, I'm like, yeah, I know what that means. Mm -hmm. Do you know what it means? Right? I, I'm like, I want the technical definition for a novice who's like, I'm reading what business comprehension is in this LinkedIn post. I found one link. And that is oh. a business comprehension test you can take. And part of that is to identify how you think in abstract reasoning, mm -hmm. assimilated understanding, contextual reasoning, deductive reasoning, numeric reasoning which are super generic as well yes so also. it's almost speaking yes. to like how when when a novice goes well i want to be a data analyst and i run into that and they go oh, oh my oh my gosh like what what do i even do with that how do i study that what do i need like does mm. that mean i need to like buy 20 books read them or is it saying ultimately like you need to get your butt in seat in a job to gain the experience in these areas with focus points on them. I don't know, right? But if I'm gonna like try to equate, like what do I have to go study and learn? It's very easy to go, um, what do I need to learn with SQL? And 500 pages of results come back to me of like how I can go learn this technical skill. Yeah. So like to me, it speaks volumes of as like, why do people f focus so much on the technical? Well, easy, if, easy to if we're using terms, yeah. If we're not guiding them in directions of like, hey, in order to understand abstract reasoning, you need to go read these three books. And the, the key takeaway out of those books is this, right? But so much of our knowledge, I think, has been accumulated over time that it's very easy for us to say, okay, what we need to do is when you sit down, here's the questions you need to answer or get answers for, because when you generate a report, like by, bar none, like you're going to get the information you would need to to put you down the path but the why might not be there for somebody who's never done it before mm. right and i think that's where we even fall into this same kind of trap where we start talking about things like because we already understand the results of what the business is going to give us because it becomes very repetitive right like if I they don't give that. us if they don't give us the right answer we'll keep probing but that's not what we say every time that's true right? we say go ask this question yes that's very true. I, and I think also, I think you bring up a really good point here. I think a lot of the business questions are very repetitive over and over again. I think that's a really, like a lot of the businesses I look at, and even across industries, I could look across industries and they have very similar questions around the same type of information. You know, they're, when you, and when you can understand and articulate the end goal and mm -hmm. potentially pull up a little bit higher. So there's, there's in the weeds details, building reports like for things in the weeds, 
okay, how do I get to the salesman bonus for this month? Like that may be a very technical piece of what your data modeling looks like. But when you pull really high up to like the organization level, we, we need to make a profit and we have goals that align to that direction. When you start bringing that kind of context down into the business units, okay, what are we working on that's aligning us to increasing efficiency, profit, more sales? Like you start thinking about these terms and, and again, you're taking like some general business direction, corporate goals, and you're distilling it down to like a department and saying, okay, how are, again, this is, this is one of, this is kind of where the phrase, now that you say this, Seth, the phrase, if this report isn't making you money, or saving you money, why is the enterprise BI team focusing their attention on this data stuff? Like, there may, there's definitely going to be reports that are just there for prosperity and finding answers to questions. But like, at, in general, when you're spending a lot of money on a central team to build stuff, those team members should be focused on stuff that's saving money or making money. Yeah, but I think it's also the difference even in reporting where um, so much emphasis has, is on not just taking data from a system and throwing it into a table hmm. because it it's just data. We 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 look at data all the time. Yeah. But are we doing the same thing in when we look at data analysts or data roles, right? Are we just saying, "Hey, uh inherently you should understand data, like what data is." And they they open up a table and they're like, "Okay, I see a bunch of values." It doesn't mean anything. Yes. How how do how do we bring like the the that role value and what do they learn right so as i was thinking like hey we should direct people more some mm -hmm. some questions that i would say hey if you're brand new to data or you're learning how to be a data analyst right there's typically either you're fixing something or you're trying to put something together like a data set together to analyze for the business mm -hmm. and and here would be like my pointers and I, i'd be interested if you guys had any others right so first and foremost understand how does data get into the system, right? Is it from an application? Are customers using this? Are these end user? Who's entering the data and how does it get it, like put into the system and where? Hmm. What what changes happen to it then, right? Like, uh, is anybody transforming it? Do we have like formulas that modify the data or in any way, shape or form before you're analyzing it? Um, what are you seeing like in context within the table? Like, are you like, do all the values align? Do some analysis on like grouping it together with different elements within there based on the knowledge that you already have. And then then make a decision point. Like, um, does this apply to the issue area that I'm trying to solve? Or is this part of the information I would need to start to do data analysis? But by like having those steps of like understanding where it comes from, how it's stored um, and how it's living within the, the data relevant to it in other columns gives you a lot of um, pre-understanding of how the data sits in the table before you start manipulating it, before you start taking like taking a hypothesis of like what is wrong or how do I apply this to other areas of the business? Like though you have to approach data from from a business focus, right? Where you're asking all these questions about it to start to gain context from it. Tommy, what do you think? Any any additional pointers that that you would add in I there? Think, I, yeah, any reaction to some of the Seth's initial pointers? Well, 
honestly, this is always the part of the time when stuff is, is, is dead on, but yeah, I think a lot of times too, you can get stuck if you're dealing with the same data set. So you kind of know, you know, if you're more familiar with like, you've been working on a single department. So it's a little easier when at least I have the same people uh, time, time again, but there's a rut to that, right? Seth, where you're talking about like, sometimes I'm just looking at rows and rows of data. It's like, how in the heck am I supposed to find what's important? Um, how am I going to supposed to find that not even a diamond in the rough, but you know, that combination of you know, uh, records, a combination of the, the technical side and say to a user, let me just sum this up for you to, again, uh, I think Seth, you brought this up a, a long time ago that if you had a client where they literally, all they wanted was to see a thumbs up or thumbs down. And that's where I'm always trying to get to, no matter how many rows of data or how mm. technical the, 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 the uh, logic is both with the model itself or what we have to do in DAX, the end result should be something where someone can look and say, thumbs up, thumbs down. This is why, this is what you could do about it. But that's where I'm always trying to get to. And that's very different from when I first started in Power BI when it was, I could give you all the variables and all the things affecting it. But it really, I think, I know that I have a good comprehension with the people looking at the report and my own comprehension of the data when that summary page and the, the high level view is, is right to the point. When I don't feel the need to continue to add more visuals or continue to add uh, more complexity. If I can just simply focus on, okay, how do I make that turn green when I, you know, and how do I make that turn red when this happens? If I get to that point, then I've kind of married that technical skills, but I know that I'm at least understanding the person's needs. And again, it's hard when you're just looking at rows of data because it's hard to know where to start, but that's kind of the, my end goal. I think that's a really good point as well there, Tommy, especially when you're talking about boiling down things to Again, I think what you're what you're kind of alluding there is you're you're really distilling a lot of information down to an action, right? It's it's red, I need to go do something. It's green, I can move on to something else, right? So it's kind of like that distilling down all the information down to a, a single data point. And what I'll also I said to your point earlier, kind of talking through the different areas you're talking about, you know, where does the data come from? What transformations are being applied? How do I get this business value on top of the information? And you know, when if you're areas that I've seen that have a lot of challenge with this is anytime the business wants to change or continually add business rules and logic on top of that data coming out of those source systems, I see a lot of times the business decides this is how we're going to do this is how we're this is how we're going to measure the success of our business, and it doesn't necessarily align with the operational system, and then the data is being captured oh, in yeah, a different way. Up then it's actually being represented in reporting. And so to me, that's like one of the major challenges that I find with a lot of data engineering, when, when the business objectives are not quote, directly aligning to what, where, you know, the, the system that, to your point, Seth, where the people type in the data, like there's, but that makes it let, hard. Let's, let's hang there for a minute, just from, because that, that point you just made around once reporting starts to diverge drastically, mm -hmm. Because we can mm -hmm. is one of the strongest areas I push back. And I yes. make sure that the business understands that what they are doing right now is 
is going to cost the business more money in the future. And Agreed. what I mean by what I mean by that is if you're we can do a crazy amount of like manipulation with data, we can reshape it, cleaning group, transforming. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. like totally fantastic agree. things we can do with reporting. Yes. The more you embed that type of logic and yes. all of that crazy craziness because it doesn't conform to the systems that you have. Yes. The more tech that you're building further on and yes. the more complex the solution is because one change in the future could automatically be a huge cascade down, yes. the, down the thing. And that's what business doesn't understand. I agree. Is you, you, you can, we can solve these problems for you, yep. but you are create like certain circumstances. You are creating a bigger problem for yourself in the future. Like mm -hmm. just are none. You have to understand because the next time you come around and touch, <laughs> touch this spot, I'm going to, I'm going to say this one is right here. That's why your estimate for this is now a month instead of a week. Yes. Right. I yes. told you about this a long time ago. You have to pay it. Like this is one of those sore spots that you're creating. And, and this is a black hole. And like, you're, you're not guaranteed what you get out of this. This is like the magic mm -hmm. eight ball, right? yes. <laughs> like shake yes. it every time. Right. Yep. But it is an important conversation to have when you start going off the charts to solve some of those like, hey, it'd be great if we could see our business in this light and nothing under the covers except for your reporting model. And like, show it. Owns that, right? Because yes. how do you validate? Like yes. that's so hard to like track back through, yep. do triage on data problems or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yes. Those, those are hard pinch points that people need to talk through and make sure they understand. And I want to be clear. It's not that I'm saying no. I'm right. just saying... This is an area of work that is going to take extra effort to make it work. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's the and other. And maintain. And, main, and maintain. Yeah, when changes yeah. come, it will likely take us longer to implement those because this is something, a diversion away. Right. The, wor the word that just sends chills down my back. Uh, oh, we just need to reallocate that. Reallocate. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word, man. Reallocate. I've, I've had. So I wrote many... it down. I wrote it down just in no. case. It's yeah, just a in case. If you, were, if you ever hear it, like when you hear that word, you know, I'd be. And, and again, for those of you who are kind of joining as as the stream's going live, you know, do you have any reallocation kind of stories? Does it does it also hit you the the wrong way as well? <laughs> um, in that word of reallocate, we're gonna we're gonna reallocate. And again, it may again it may totally make sense. It may totally make sense. But again, that's to your point, Seth. The way the system is built, and again, some companies have super custom applications that run how they ingest and, and manipulate their data, which, again, that's very cool. It works very well for what they feel is the competitive edge of their business. Great. Like, do it. But when you start, when that when that custom-built tool and, and when these tools don't work exactly as expected, that's when I feel like things start really starting to ramp up and start having challenges around that, um, especially... This to me seems to become more evident when legacy operational systems are getting sunsetted and they're like, hey, we're going to bring in this new thing and, and we try and bring in this new tool and we're going to we're going to build this new stuff. And, and, and so the, the immediate thought is I've gone through a couple major transitions in, the, in my career as a data person uh, with companies who've been moving from major operational systems and his, it has never seemed to go very well. It's just been always extremely hard. Because the business decides this is our process, we will not change our process. And therefore, the tools that come into the business must conform to our existing yeah. process. And I feel like 
I, I'd rather see like a little bit of a give and take on both of those. Like, okay, yes, let's refine some of our process. Let's look at our, let's take an opportunity. Is there anything in our process that we can remove waste from and use this new system that maybe provides some efficiency around how to get things done? There's actually the opposite of that too, where systems are not well designed. Like, especially when you're, when you're talking like legacy, you're, you're, you're referencing, yeah. there's a new architecture. There's a new way oh, to do things. Yes. And it's, it's always, you're always going to be bit unless you go down and like spend a bunch of time with people doing the day to day, you're mm -hmm. not going to know how many like offshoots of just random things that are core to the business to are, point. are created and run because yep. in a perfect world, these are all just segments and puzzle yes. pieces. And we just like reallocate and push the puzzle pieces over here. It's I like, mean, yeah, everything is over here. Why is it not working? <laughs> like, if my if my job was only so easy yeah, where I could just right. take everything was just a bunch of puzzle right. pieces and just stitching them together <laughs> and done. Oh, that's good. Tommy, any thoughts on, on from your side around that? Well, I think that a lot of time yeah. I I think one one of our uh, previous episodes had this idea of a data contract. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? I do remember that one. Uh, it was it was a data engineering. Um and I, I don't remember the uh, the person's name, but he posts a lot about data contracts on on LinkedIn. But that idea, because yeah, it's it's hard for us sometimes. But guess what? It's it's really hard for us if the business or those people don't know how, with how does the, the data is coming in, or you know, we've talked about not even having goals, but if they don't know necessarily how they're tracking their their performance or what's affecting things. Um, then the, the, the integration is a non-starter, or if they're, I think a big part too is part of that communication is the trust, not just, and we always think of trust as I trust the data is gonna be right, mm -hmm. uh, where it's going from business to us. But the other side of, the, of it too is, well, we have to trust them and they have to be willing to say, okay, these are our allowed values, or, you know, we're, if you're, wherever it is coming from we know that it's in a sense been verified it's these groupings of of fields it's um you know how we're tracking these things the logic that we're doing it's not oh well i think we had it you know do a filter two weeks ago on someone's name but you know we have we do that all manually there's still a lot of things businesses and teams do in a sense by hand mm -hmm. just because it's easier Rather than saying let's get this integrated and automated into our own our own pipeline, so then we can report on it. But there's a lot of those always nuances that never or, or kind of always lead to uh, a lack of I think understanding on both sides. The automation story here is a very interesting one as well, especially when we're talking about data analyst. Right? Is is it their job to be able to do the automation of things? And I think you're also touching on a point here that I think is very relevant is as you build data models and other things, there comes a point where um, you need to be able to figure out in inside that data analyst role, you know, what what are the the main core features of um like let me, let me step back. Let me let me pull my thought back here a little bit more. When I look at this large table of data, when we're talking with teams and we have this massive table. The, the large table of information we, we have presented in front of us doesn't really help us, right? We have, to, we have to pull out something from that large table of information. Like, and I think as, large, as data sets get even larger, there's even a larger spectrum of you, you just can't function with such a large 
space of information. I'm not going to present to you a Power BI report with millions of rows in it because you don't know which of the five or 10 rows are actually relevant to you or not. So to me, like that portion of things is like, that's, that's where I'm trying to go with this, you know, trying to drive for action on top of this data. And then the more you add automation to this, the more you pull away that business logic out of the business user's hands and you need to document that. That's got to go somewhere that you can say, okay, the, here's your raw data table, but here's the summarized, grouped, actionable information because you can't have... The, again, I, I use the analogy when I talk with people around this one is if you have even 10,000 rows, tell me which 15 rows are impacting your business. You can't. Yeah. It's very hard to go through that. That's why we do aggregation. Yeah. That's why we roll things up. Like the whole purpose of what we're trying to do here. So yeah, we might not have the full story in the first couple pages of your report, but you have to have something that's going to roll up or aggregate or overview or summarize some things for you. And then to get from that raw data to the summary, that's where, that's where the, the black box, the voodoo, the magic, whatever you want to call it, that needs to be documented. So we know, Oh, here, we're going to filter this stuff around or we're going to re again to use my my term i don't like right now we're going to reallocate this a, a different way so that it, it makes sense to the business right that's that's where the reallocation is going to be applied yeah. it, that, that i want to draw back into like the analyst discussion though because aggregation yeah. is one of the best ways to understand data in a table right I agree like roll it up by all the other values around it understand mm -hmm. like are is there a bunch of missing data like why, if somebody's asking you to, you know, understand like why this thing is here, like why would you not have the ability to group by something else, or why are there a hundred thousand records that don't have a corresponding yes. value in something else? Good point. So I, I think mm -hmm. the other points I'd make in just like looking at data and tables is like the success a successful data analyst is like any area of the business. If you own your area. It means you're owning the understanding of the larger spectrum, not just the request. So as you're in the table, as you're determining and figuring these things out and asking questions, yeah. like dig beyond just the existing request and build your own reference or a team reference. Like one of the things my team is doing with a whole bunch of new, new folks coming in is there's some very complex business logic. I don't even understand it all because a lot of that's buried in dev code. Yeah. So as we discover it, as we do things, we're we're creating our own reference library of, yeah. hey, uh, go check here when you get interacted or requested for this thing because there's mm. like a five part thing you have to understand yeah. about how the data gets into a particular place. Yeah. So kind of moving on a little bit, um, before we get into communication, there is one other part that did strike me when looking at business comprehension, and that is. I don't, I'd be interested in your guys because I re this resonates with me significantly, which is reading comprehension. Mm. If there was, if there was anything in school I was good at, it was reading. So like all I the, saw that I remember, I remember I ACTs. <laughs> I was just like, like you have an hour and a half to do it. And like 30 minutes later, I'm done. Right. Because all I did was read books. Yeah. But reading comprehension is absolutely one of those key points because a lot of, a lot of emails, if you get into like work workflows and requests that are being made, you see nuance within a request, especially when you get to understand the business more, you see the gaps that are like not in there or not part of it. And that leads to you analyzing something and asking quest clarifying questions right away mm -hmm. versus 
versus what I think is a trap many new people or novices coming into the data world do is they assume that the requester knows more about what they're requesting than they do. Mm. Right. It's just you get the you get the work item or you get the request and you do what they ask without asking anything. And that's the worst thing you can do, because that, I think, leads to uh, a lot of miss uh, misses as far as like development or analysis or things that are coming through because you didn't do those clarifying questions up front. Yeah. So I guess the point I want to make is, you know, like reading comprehension, like can you receive and follow instructions, right? Can you identify the important information or the gaps within it and identifying the errors um, from text or, or whatever? Um, and, and that's where I think that is one of those things that um, I don't know what courses would be out there, but reading comprehension would definitely be one of those things that I mm. think plug in um, to being a, a value add in the um, business comprehension section. It's interesting you mentioned that, Seth. That's that's a really good observation. So, one so in our family, my wife is the avid reader. She reads everything. Uh, she has like a goal each year to read X number of books throughout the year. So, I look at it going, "Oh my gosh, you're reading so many books. It's crazy." However, I don't read books. I literally like, read like the internet nonstop. So, like, I, like I read a lot. Technical. It's just yeah. it's totally technical and it's a lot of different stuff and i'm reading a lot of like technical pieces around or just in general like articles blogs posts like i'm reading a lot of things like that which i feel i'm doing a lot of summary or to this point right learn to speed read right how can you as quickly as you can read a paragraph of information and extract out the main concepts of what they're trying to get at because it for sure there's these points in time where you get emails from people and it's this really super long email. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what you, I don't know what you want. <laughs> I can't figure out like. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. I think that belongs in communication. I would agree right? with that. Yes. Because, and, and let's start there, right? Yeah. E emails. Oh my gosh. I like, can't stand. Folks. Put, I, I'm the bullet guy. Me, right? I'm a bullet guy too. So my emails are typically <laughs> like, Hi. Bullet, uh, bullet, based, bullet, on, bullet. based on our, our last meeting, these are the things we need to accomplish. Bullet, 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 bullet. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, a lot of people are much more verbose, like, good afternoon, I hope you're having a good day, blah, blah, blah. And that either is fine, but it's personality differences, right? <laughs> but I think what's important is um, my wife and I just had this conversation, especially when you need to communicate a lot of information. Yes. Break it into the most, like, give me the impact. Like, what, like, right away, Tell me, tell me what you're seeing. Tell me the like the outcome of your decision. And if you need to like take two pages to give me detail, that's fine. But give the reader the choice to read the details. <laughs> yeah. Or if they're just going to be like, okay, here's the problem. Here's how you're solving it. I'm good with that. I don't TLD, need. To, I don't, he's giving right, the TLDR. I don't need to read. I don't need to well, read and, <laughs> well, and this is why the structure too. And I think we have to introduce this a lot. Um, to to the teams because we there's part of that speaking the same language right where if there are ways that just makes it easier for us to translate their needs if in a sense it was kind of prompted a certain way rather than you know everyone have a very subjective way of trying to say what they want the report to be and i and i think this is where even like forms mm -hmm. right of having a if you're doing a request saying okay 
just fill in some basic tenets here. Um, what are you, the decision you're making of, what do you need to group by? Um, you know, like who's this affecting mm -hmm. and just trying to one, make them think about it, but then just putting it into a format that again, that makes it a little easier for us to the start from like, obviously that could get very granular. Like what are you filtering by or what, you know, what's the additional things, but I still have not found, I think what I would call and I'm striving for like the, the golden form, so to mm -hmm. speak, that would answer all of the uh, like basic tenets of how could I identify beforehand all those little logical things that come up that they don't need to necessarily tell you about like um, in the beginning, like, oh, well, you know, we actually look at only, you know, our five day rolling. That's what our Excel files look at or whatever those filters are. So I'm trying to find a way to prompt or create a, create a form that's going to what I'm calling the holy form, the holy grail of discovery form. But even if you just start with something rather, you know, <laughs> but forget Word documents, forget emails, just create a Microsoft form, use Jira to say, who's this for? Uh, what are you re uh, looking at? Can you send an example file? and just getting some format so we can start speaking the same language. So to kind of wrap things up here, and again, I, I like your conversation, Seth, around reading comprehension. I do think this is very relevant. Um, and this is what I kind of started chat GPT at the middle of the conversation when you said, hey, what is business comprehension? And so the, the, the chat GPT of, of this episode is, uh, the question was, what is business comprehension? And it kind of talked about Business comprehension is a term that refers to the ability for an individual to understand and interpret business-related information, which I thought was a fairly accurate description. It involves the ability to read and comprehend business documents, financial statements, and other business-related materials. Also includes the ability to understand business concepts and terminology. Business comprehension is an important skill for anyone who wants to succeed in the business world. Okay, fine. Too vanilla. And then one of the prompting questions it asked me, it let me ask this question, which was, how could I improve my business comprehension skills? What does that look like? And this is where Seth, around communication, it really started picking out a lot of nuggets around this portion. There are several ways to improve your business comprehension skills. Some are learn to speed read, right? Use flashcards or memorize new vocabulary to understand different concepts around words people are using. So you can, you can, un you have more space to learn, yeah. to listen to what people are saying. And, and oh, there, there is nuance to words. And I, Recently, in, in our two dinners that we've had in our family, the last two dinners we've had, someone said a word. And I was like, I, I don't think that word means what you think it means. And then we kind of like started saying like, okay, we need to debate what this words mean. Because just because you have an interpretation of a word doesn't mean it's necessarily right. So the more you can understand what words mean, the, the more you can get the nuance of what people are looking for. And it said, take really good notes while reading. I don't think I ever do that. Um, but I take a lot of good notes when I'm in meetings. I'm, I'm yeah. feverently taking notes in meetings. Right. And then it said, read before, go, read before going to bed and then um, learn, make a point to use those learned new words in your written and verbal communication. That's all of that is reading comprehension. It's, it's all reading comprehension. comprehension. Yeah. And well, none of that was business comprehension. Right. And that's why I'm saying like, that's a yeah. very loose term here. Overall, I, I think Tristan hits it on the head. Like all very these are really important, right? Communication is val valuable because it's it's going to drive towards clarifying questions, 
proposing mm-hmm. solutions and presenting findings. We didn't talk about it because we've talked about it at nauseum, but like presentation skills, 100%. Learn. Yeah, got to have The more it. you learn to present to people, the better yep. off that you're going to be. And the look, the, I think the, the doors open further within organizations, the better you can present. In terms of like the business comprehension, all the skills required, like are required to understand context, nuance, determining errors, solving mm. problems, like a lot of that's experience driven. Yeah. Um, reading comprehension, I think, draws into like the thing you can learn if you're going to like try to uh, approach it from a I need to learn skills. And then technical skills are ultimately like how fast you can solve these problems, which is just as important as communication or business comprehension. Because if you have great communication, business comprehension, mm. but you can't produce results in a timely manner, you're, you're not going to be good. That's so, true. Don't discount technical skills, yeah. right? Because the first two define and identify like what the problem is and how to solve it. But the technical skills are how fast you can solve that or how like fast that. you can get through that process. And those are just as important as the other two. I like it. Excellent. Well, that will give it a good wrap. Thank you all very much for chatting, talking with us around business analysts. Great article. Uh, thank you, Tristan, for putting a good uh, post out there on LinkedIn. We really appreciate it. Very good talking points, good things to chew on and think on as you think about the the perfect data analyst, if there is one uh, to be had out there in the world. So our only request to you, if you like the podcast, if you found some good insights from this, if there were some nuggets that you took away from here that you felt were relevant around data and data engineering things, uh, please share it with somebody else. Let someone else know that you found this podcast relevant and uh, it was adding some value to your day. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find it anywhere it's available, Google and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe. Leave us a rating. helps us out a ton. Uh, leave us a question on our mailbag if you want to have something you want us to talk about. Uh, go to powerbitips. or slash the podcast. And finally, watch us live every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central. All right. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time.